were you one of the 6.1 million people that watched the finale of The Golden Bachelor? Okay, don't show me, don't show me off now. Come on, hold on. You don't have to be a Bachelor fan to love this episode, but my goodness, am I going to show you two things that we can all learn from The Bachelor franchise when it comes to marketing, specifically putting your ads where your audience is, and number two, equally important, is presenting variations of what you offer. So even if you did not watch The Bachelor, this episode is for you. If you are looking to put your travel agency out where people can see it, the right kind of travelers that do the kind of travel that you want to sell. And also, if you feel like you're just saying the same thing over and over and over about what you sell, there are different ways that you can package and present it so that you can show variations of features and benefits. And we are going to learn both of those lessons from The Bachelor. Hey there, I'm Sandra McLemore, and I have trekked both the globe and the travel industry for over 25 years. From my first steps as a travel agent to my exciting career as a travel TV host and contributor on network news and morning shows. And now coaching over 42,000 travel entrepreneurs. Guys, I've seen the highs and the lows of what it means to market and sell travel. Whether you're taking your very first steps in the industry or scaling up to reach amazing new goals, perhaps feeling a little bit adrift and looking for a compass, you, my friend, are in the right place. In each episode, we're going to learn from stories that inspire, strategies that work, and conversations that dive deep into the heart of starting up and scaling a travel business. Fasten your seatbelts, stow away your doubts, and prepare for takeoff. This is your boarding pass to the Travel, Marketing, and Media Podcast. Okay, so 6.1 million people. I literally had to look up. That is more than the population of Los Angeles City. Not the county, but the city. It is... I don't even know how many cruise ships all put together. It is the population of some of the smallest states. It, it's a huge number of people. And for those of you who are not in television, I definitely know that this doesn't really mean a lot, 6.1. So I thought I would have my producer-director husband do some research for me and put together some numbers that are really, really important. So in, they'll be important in helping you to understand why this is such a big deal. So let's have a look. For example, The Bachelor has been running for 27 seasons. The 28th season was The Golden Bachelor. And I'm going to explain what all of this is if you've never seen The Bachelor before, but let's just break down some numbers. 28 seasons. Now, of the 28 seasons, the average that The Bachelor would get for people to watch it would be between 3 million and 4 million. It's gone lower than that. It's gone a little higher than that. But specifically, 6.1 million viewers is huge because it's almost double what a regular season gets. The only other season that did that well was season 25. And yeah, I know I'm coming across like a major numbers bachelor nerd right now. But stay with me on this because it's pretty fascinating. Season number 25 was the first season that they showed and worked with a black bachelor. So obviously when you do something new, you package it differently. We'll talk about that soon. 
that's going to make a difference. And so if you look at The Golden Bachelor, season 28, The Black Bachelor, season 25, they got almost double what every other season did in terms of viewership. So we're going to leave that there for a second and I'm going to go in and explain what The Bachelor is. Don't worry if you're not into it. This is not going to be hard (laughs) to listen to. Basically, it's a reality TV show where you take one single person and then they bring in 20 to 30 suitors, uh, single people of the opposite gender. They're yet to have um, a gay bachelor season yet. And it's always contestants who, or participants, I guess you would say, who are in their 20s. Every now and then you'll get somebody in their 30s. Some of the guys might be in their early 30s, but for the most part, we see a lot of 23-year-olds, 24-year-olds getting out of the limo on the first night. Now, on the first night, they always meet at a mansion here in Los Angeles, which is famously known as the Bachelor Mansion. And say, for example, it is a bachelor, not a bachelorette. You would have the bachelor standing on the driveway and then limousine by limousine, they would come in in groups, the singles would, of between six and 10 people in a limousine until there were about 25 to 30 single women vying for the affection of the bachelor. They would get out of the limousine one by one. They would introduce themselves, go on into the house while the bachelor stands on the driveway and meets them one after the other. Then throughout the series, they would go on a number of group dates, small group dates. Think of it like group travel where they get to know each other. He gets to see them engage with each other. And sometimes they go on one-on-one dates. Romance travel. I don't know. And uh, half uh, each week, there would be a rose ceremony. This is kind of cringe, I have to tell you. But he would get less roses than there are singles, the bachelor or the bachelorette. And they would give out roses in what's known as the rose ceremony. And this is where if you don't get a rose, unfortunately, you have to go home. So about halfway through the season, and we'll talk about this. Actually, no, we'll talk about it in this episode. About halfway through the season, what happens is that the bachelor or the bachelorette announces to the remaining singles, usually about 10 to 15 of them, that they are going to leave America and they're going to start traveling around the world. And it's a super fascinating behind the scenes TV production concept. It's called integrations. I'll talk to you more about it when we get to the advertising part. And eventually, as they go through all of these amazing destinations, they could be in Fiji, Thailand, Egypt, like anywhere. Uh, He will, or she will, the bachelor or bachelorette will continue to let go of people each week at the rose ceremony until they're down to their remaining two. And the remaining two meet them in some exotic place uh, one at a time. And the bachelor or bachelorette lets one of them go. And then a proposal happens between the final two. So that's essentially how The Bachelor or The Bachelorette work. Love it or hate it, it's a reality show that just like Survivor has had dozens of seasons. And as much as you might dislike it, if you do, you can't deny that it works. It is a multi-million, probably billion dollar franchise. There are spin-off shows um, to it, uh, just like Survivor in its 40, gosh, maybe 48th season right now, something like that, season 47, 48, we're around there. These franchises, these shows have become enormous. Now, not only is there money in being the creator of The Bachelor, but then there was there were seasons done in other countries. So Australia has its own Bachelor. The UK has its own Bachelor. Countries in Europe have its own Bachelor. So, so interesting, right? 
Now, I wanted to talk to you today about two things in particular, and we're going to start the first thing with putting your advertising where your audience will see it and making sure it matches their needs. And we'll talk about presenting variations of what you offer. Actually, let's flip those. Let's start with the variations. So for 27 seasons, plus the Golden Bachelor, 28 seasons, I guess you could say that even though they alternated Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor, Bachelorette, so that means that one season was a guy, one season was a girl, there really hasn't been a lot of change in the formula of the show. Every show has a formula. And that's true of a movie, drama, romance, comedy, um, a broadcast musical. There's always a formula to a show. And that comes down to script writing. And the formula in this show is what I just explained to you, what happens sort of throughout the season. But there has never really been a change in casting either. Now, as many of you know, my husband is a director and producer in Hollywood. He has not worked on The Bachelor, but he's worked on some pretty big reality TV shows, documentaries, talk shows, and he worked in news. He's kind of a unicorn in the television industry because he works across about four different genres. Oh, and travel now, so a lifestyle genre. So we have a lot of conversations in our house and with our friends who are also Hollywood producers, directors, casting agents, actors, actresses. And we talk a lot about this kind of stuff. And we've always said for many, many years, if they mixed it up, they would do better. And what do we mean by mix it up? We said that if they mixed up who the bachelor was cast or the bachelor or the bachelorette in terms of their age, if they had someone who was slightly older, they could widen the audience. If they had someone who was uh, ethnically diverse, so black, Asian, Hispanic, mixed, they could widen it. Now, of course, the singles often show up with a few, look, call them token or not, a few mixes in the casting, but for the most part, it's always been a predominantly white show. Now, nothing was broken. So if nothing is broken, then obviously there's not a huge reason to fix it unless you're looking for improvement. And that's exactly what happened in season 25 with Matt James. Now, Matt James was the first black bachelor. And to my knowledge, he's the no, yeah, he's the only black bachelor. And then they did it again where they changed it up and they had female Black Bachelorettes. And then they did it again and they changed it where they had the Golden Bachelor. Um, Jerry's in his 70s. So those two seasons, season 25 and season 28 of The Bachelor, they used a Black Bachelor and an older Bachelor, a, a Golden Bachelor. And let me tell you, for the most part, everything stayed pretty much the same. For the most part, it was singles showing up in the limo, getting out, doing something quirky to get the bachelor's attention. There was, there was well, there's always a lot of drama between the singles because you put that many personalities in one house, there's always going to be. And they have conflicting interests, reasons for being there, hidden agendas. I have to say the women in the Golden Bachelor that were cast were in their 50s and their 60s for the most part. A couple of women in their 70s, very little drama little to no drama. I think there might've been like two misunderstandings and they sat down like grown women and talked it out. So the formula stayed pretty much the same from episode to episode, but here's what's fascinating from a marketing perspective and equally fascinating that it took ABC so many years to do this. When you take something that already works, when you take a good product or a good service, a high performing product and you 
package it or present it differently, you will attract different people. And this can be seen in two ways. It can be seen for The Bachelor in the viewers, the number of viewers, the ratings, where, like I said, we went from three, four million people. Uh, season 27, standard season, three million people. Um, this is the day of ratings for the season premiere. Season uh, 26, 3.7 million viewers. Really kind of low. Season 25, when they did The Black Bachelor, 5.7 million views. That's 2 million more than normal. That is huge. The Golden Bachelor, 4.4 million. That's 1.4 million higher than normal. What they did is they took a product that works really, really well. They kept the meat and bones of it and they packaged it and presented it differently. So how do we do this in your travel business, in your travel agency. I'm going to give you two examples. One is a river cruise, a luxury river cruise, and the other is a high-end all-inclusive resort. So let's take the luxury river cruise as an example. What I see a lot of travel agencies and advisors doing is talking about that, those same buzzwords and mentioning those same marketing buzzwords in the marketing. You know, ocean cruises take you to places, river cruises take you through them. And I agree with that. There's no ifs and buts. And I think it's such a clever statement. However, if that is the only buzz that you rely on, if that is your main, your priority, the majority of how you market a river cruise, it's only going to resonate with some people. The same way that the standard bachelor formula and casting only resonated with some people. And if you were to take river cruising and to repackage it and represent it in multiple different ways, just like The Bachelor, you would start to increase the number of people who were interested and you would start to also get different types of people. So how else do you market a river cruise? You can market it as the perfect vacation to disconnect. Very few people, and look, when I took my first river cruise, I have to say it was the standout number one biggest shock for me. I'd been on over 600, 800, maybe a thousand ocean cruises because I worked on board for many years and then worked in shoreside office and then now just being in the travel industry. When I took my first river cruise, there was a very distinct difference in feeling that I got off the ship and I was not exhausted. I got off the ship and I was so relaxed. Every single night I was in my bed at 10 p.m., 11 p.m. We would watch a movie. We would chat. We would have a few drinks. There were no huge big nights out, which is what we wanted. And we were able to disconnect from our day-to-day -day stress and really reconnect with each other, my husband and I, but also with other guests on board, with the destination, with the experiences. The cruise also, the river cruise, didn't fly by. In a good way, it was slow. And I, I, I like to talk about slow travel. And slow travel is like slow cooking to me. That instead of frying off a chicken breast in or a steak in, you know, 15 minutes, it's about letting it cook for multiple hours so that you can really get a different experience. And the same thing happens with slow travel. Doing less can be doing more. And I remember thinking, gosh, do you know how many people are busy and stressed on this planet? If they marketed river cruising, if the travel advisors and travel agencies marketed river cruising, and if the river cruise lines marketed river cruising as the ultimate in slow travel, 
You are not chasing buses, trains, and automobiles and racing on and off the ship every day. You're not lining up and rushing to get breakfast. You're not rushing out the door in the morning. You're not rushing from port to port. You're not rushing around the ship. It would be received by many people in a different way. For me, when I'm stressed, tired, and I need a vacation, you know, when you hear people say, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted, I need a vacation. Slow travel is the type of travel that fixes that, that, that is the perfect match. It's not a hustle, bustle, fast-paced, 21 countries in three days can take you to a kind of travel. It's slow travel. What about if you packaged river cruising in the value when it comes to time for money? Because we all know that taking a bus two and a half hours from Civitavecchia into Rome, having to take the train an hour and a half from Livorno into Florence and then go to Pisa from there. Uh, we all know that there are these ports around the world when it comes to ocean cruising, especially in Europe, but also in other places like in Asia and South America, where you're just not at the destination right away, right? River cruising puts you at the destination. You can literally step off the ship into town. The bigger that ocean cruises got, the less that happened because piers would have to be built further out of town or often the um, main sites or destination were not at the pier. <clears throat> so they just built a pier as close as they could to the sites. You know, you can build a pier in Alexandria, but you can't build a pier at the pyramids. So just the fact that you maximize your time on a river cruise because you are arriving early morning, leaving late nights, having full days in ports, but you're also pulling up at the port and not having to, having to travel for hours and hours on end. Of course, you can choose to go to other towns and cities nearby where you might take an hour train or bus, but for the most part, every day you are where there is something. So those are just a few examples of how river cruising can be repackaged and represented. And if you're always presenting river cruising the same way, you're always going to resonate with people who are looking for the same thing. So I definitely encourage you to write down the benefits of the type of travel that you specialize in and then ask yourself, am I marketing all of these benefits? Let's take a look now at all-inclusive resorts, luxury high-end all-inclusive resorts. Traditionally, all-inclusive resorts, the benefit of them that most travelers would think about is everything's included, don't have to pay extra, best value for money. And that was always the way that all-inclusive was sold. All-inclusive anything is sold that way. Houston's fourth birthday party at Scooter's Jungle were, is marketed as all-inclusive, which means you don't have to bring anything, you don't have to do anything, you just show up, pay your $800 for two hours, mm -hmm. that's how much they cost these days, and it's all-inclusive, best value for money in town, stress-free. And that's how all-inclusive things have always been marketed. But what if you were to repackage and represent the all-inclusive nature of a vacation? I went to the Hilton All-Inclusive, it's a new uh, product for them, reimagined product for them. And I went to the Tulum Resort back in January of 2023. I was actually working. I was booked for a television gig. It's called a Satellite Media Tour, also known as an SMT. And the Satellite Media Tour is where I wake up at 5.30 a.m., go straight into hair and makeup, 
and I'm sat on set by 6.30 a.m. and literally will do 25 media interviews, one after the other, ranging from two minutes to five minutes with a 30-second to one-minute break in between. And I have a producer in one earpiece in Atlanta where the studio is. I have another producer in my ear from New York, just in case the Atlanta studio goes down. I have a producer in front of me and a huge crew behind the camera. And I'm looking at a camera. I can't see anybody that I'm talking to um, because of the nature of an SMT. And I will have Fox 11 come through Fox 5 from DC. They tell me you're going to be talking to Rosanna today. In three, two, one, Rosanna comes through my EPS. Hi, Sandra, where are you? It's so good to have you on the show today. And I'll say, hi, Rosanna. I'm at the Hilton All-Inclusive in Tulum, and it is amazing. Rosanna has five questions. She gets to ask me the five questions. Most of the time, the anchors stick to the script. Actually, no, they don't. About 50% of the time, they stick to the script and ask me the right questions. And the other 50% of the time, it is like a trail derailment, and they will ask all kinds of things. They'll be telling me things like, Girl, that looks amazing where you are. Love that color top on you. What have you been up to? We haven't seen you for so long. We haven't had you on the show in a minute. The weather looks gorgeous. Oh my gosh, Billy, I really need a vacation. Do you need a vacation? Oh yes, Jenna, I'd love to have a vacation. It's so cold up here. It has been snowing. We can't believe where you are. It's so beautiful. There we are burning one minute of their three minute interview with me. And basically I have a script from Hilton where I explain what is new about the Hilton all-inclusive experience. And I sat down and I thought about this in terms of The Bachelor and how it was representing, reimagining is what they called it, the all-inclusive experience. Now, when I think of an all-inclusive resort, this might age me a little bit, but I think of dirty dancing. I think of baby going with her family. I think of all the games with the equivalent of a cruise director, the sack races, the egg and spoon, the dance classes, the cha-cha, the salsa classes, look where that led her. And I think of that kind of a thing, breakfast in the morning, everybody turning up to the restaurant, a big show on the finale night. Like that's what I think of when I think of all-inclusive. Or I think of like super mediocre food and long buffet lines. So when I went to do this job for Hilton, I got to experience the resort. And honestly, it felt like a high-end cruise ship in that they had specialty dining restaurants. The food was superb. We didn't have a single bad meal. It was amazing. And also from an activities perspective, they had broadened out the type of activities. It felt a little Kellerman's Dirty Dancing in some areas, but in other areas, it felt like a modern day high-end luxury cruise ship. And they are starting to bring in destination-specific cultural activities. So you could do bracelet making with a local artisan, for example. You could do a cooking class, for example. So lots of different activities there. And I remember getting my briefing with the PR team from Hilton and them saying to me, this is really different. This is not your typical all-inclusive vacation that people remember from the 80s and the 90s. So it was really critical that I could answer questions from the morning shows and the news shows that really explained how this was different. So examples of how you can market an all-inclusive resort to be different would not just focus on value for money. It would focus on, again, similar to the River Cruise example, your ability to be able to get in there disconnect from everything and reconnect with each other and get back your time. The ability to be able to catch up on that sleep because you don't have to travel 
far. You don't have to leave the property to go looking for restaurants and for breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Like everything there is nearby. So that gives you back your time. The incredible kids clubs that they have now and being able to find a resort that really matches a multi-gen family or a multi-gen group where everybody truly does have something to do. And it's not just like a huge giant, lots of food, you know, long walking lines, that kind of thing. A lot of the programs I know, um, Hilton in Los Cabos, for example, not so much an all-inclusive um, example, but more in terms of like a big resort, not only do they have an incredible kids club, but they also have an amazing uh, conservation program and they do a lot of work with the baby turtles that wash up on the beach. They do incredible experiences, uh, cultural experiences for people if they want to get to know the culture of that particular part of Mexico. So again, regardless of the type of travel that you book, whether or not it's celebration travel, river cruise, ocean cruise, all-inclusive resort, destination weddings, family travel, culinary travel, cultural immersion, whatever it is that you do, start to figure out ways. And you might need to brainstorm with a notebook, but what is it that's so great about the type of travel? When you take that type of travel, when your clients take that type of travel, what is it that they are loving about that travel? And are you putting all of that out there? Or are you relying on just the sound bites, we call them in television, just those one-liners that you keep hearing over and over again? Now, what I want to do is to wrap up this episode talking about putting your advertising where your audience will see it. So for you, this is putting your travel agency out into the world, promoting it and advertising it, something that I think less than 5% of you of you do effectively, but 100% of you need to do more of. And we're going to be focused on this this year in travel marketing and media and bringing you trainings and courses and programs and coaching around how to get more leads, how to put yourself out there in front of your right audience. But let me go back to The Bachelor. When it was announced that there was going to be a Golden Bachelor, with my marketing and television hats on, I said to Anthony, they're going to have to change out all the sponsors because when you look at a regular episode of The Bachelor with their standard casting of the 20 to 30-year-old audience that attracts a 20 to 30-year-old, sorry, 20 to 30-year-old cast that attracts a 20 to 30-year-old audience, you see a lot of the same adverts. You see hair removal, razor blades, cosmetics, skincare, the smallest electric car that looks kind of toy-like. You see um, cruises, you see um, fashion, you see weight loss, you see credit card and budgeting tools like, um, you know, like Credit Karma or paying down your credit card finance apps. You see things that resonate with 20 and 30 year old women, who is the majority of their audience. Then when they announced the Golden Bachelor, as I said, I looked at my husband and I said, this is going to be an incredible marketing study. Can I share with you who the biggest suppliers, uh, sorry, the biggest, um, the, I want to share with you the biggest advertisers that we saw in the Golden Bachelor. Now, remember that the bachelor himself, Jerry, was in his 70s. Teresa, the wife that he married, it was they literally met, fell in love, and remarried. The beautiful thing is, night number one, the season premiere, I was crying because they both have such a powerful love story. Both of them were widowed. Jerry, oh my gosh, Jerry had the love of his life that he was his college sweetheart. They had two kids, they grew their careers, they built a house, they retired. Her retirement dream was to have a house on the lake. 
They moved in in June. A few weeks later in July, she wasn't feeling good. He took her to the hospital. She never came home. She died. And I hate to gloss through that quickly, but, you know, this is a quick episode. And I that sat with me. That sat really heavy with me when I was watching it because I remember them asking, do you think that you will find a love as big as Tony, his late wife? And he said, of course not, but I don't want that. That was the love of my life that would give me the family and the career and the home and I would, would would take me through that part of my life. I'm looking for a different love now, a companionship, a love that will take me through the end of to the end of my life. And that's something very different. And Teresa, the woman that he married, she also had lost her late husband. And I remember in one of the last dates, he looked at her and he's I can't remember her husband's name, her late husband's name call it Wayne or no Doug it might have been and he looked at her and he said I could listen to you talk about Doug for hours she said oh my gosh I could listen to you talk about Tony for hours there is no other relationship on this planet where we could listen to the other person talk about their ex but when it came to oh my gosh the first have you been bowling yes the first time I went bowling I went with Doug oh my god it happened this 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 that person's not a threat that person is a beautiful part of your partner's history so it obviously attracted this season, the regulars who wanted to come back and see what was new, but it attracted a new audience, people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And it wasn't people who had necessarily been widowed before, although I'm sure there were a lot of widows because we knew that that was the storyline going in from his Good Morning America interviews and from the, the trailers that we got. But I think it attracted an audience of people in their 40s, 50s. 60s who had not found love yet who wondered could it happen for me could I find a love later in life so needless to say the advertising absolutely changed because the number one golden rule of advertising and promotions and this is for major network shows and global brands and your travel business is to put your business in front of your ideal client to put your ads in front of the right audience ads in front of the right audience so let me read to you without laughing because it's not funny it's just like it, it kind of is funny actually let me read to you some of the advertisers and partners the good feet store shingles vax promotion manjaro sketchers loads of ads for sketches and the good feet Nature Made Vitamins, Verizon, Open Door, the real estate company, Axon's Therapy, that's a bladder refilled thing, Aveeno Lotion, Vicks Vapor Drops, Target, Booking.com, Olive Garden, Toyota, Hidden Valley Ranch, CeraVe Moisturizer, Chili's, Colgate, Vrela, I always say that wrong, not well, actually, who am I kidding? I never say that word, which is why I said it wrong. Vrela depression meds, Shopify, Hilton, um, Ab, oh, another drug name, Ab Risbo, RSV vaccine, uh, osteoporosis biflex, a joint supplement, Jardians, a weight loss drug, Daisy Cottage Cheese, Etsy, Row weight loss meds, Muconex DM, Spectrum, Estee Lauder. Those are just, oh, Lysol, I thought that was kind of funny. Those are just a few of the ad oh they had a bank in there be in my bank those are just a few of the many advertisers that would never in their wildest craziest stupid marketing plans 
advertise on a regular season of The Bachelor, but for The Golden Bachelor knew they were hitting their audience right. So let me ask you to ask yourself right now, are you putting ads in front of your audience? Are you advertising your business with paid ads in front of your audience? Does what you're matching match the, does what you, what you want to sell, the travel you want to sell, that all-inclusive resort, that river cruise, does that match the type of people that you're getting on your social media to follow you or on your email list or in your audience? Are you just randomly posting to your family and friends when you know that your family and friends may or may not be the ideal client for the type of travel you're trying to sell? My friends, I have loved talking to you about all of this this episode because, as you know, I love to geek out on numbers and strategies, but two really good takeaways there. Are your ads in front of your audience? Are you promoting and are you repackaging, representing, reimagining the products that you sell in a way that it can resonate with lots of people? Do you want to continue this conversation? I would love to head over to our Facebook group. You can find it by going to travelmarketingandmedia.com. Join our Facebook group, scroll all the way to the bottom of our website. And in the footer, you will find links to everything, how to work with us, how to learn from us, how to get coached by me, how to just grow this travel business of yours. But join the Facebook group because we post all of our podcast episodes inside of the Facebook group so that we can have a conversation about them. So come on over. Let's talk about The Bachelor. Let's talk about putting ads in front of your audience. Let's talk about making sure that you're repackaging, representing, and reimagining the products that you're selling to the audience so that it resonates in different ways. Loved this episode. I'll see you in the next one. Bye for now. If this podcast episode resonated with you and you'd like to hear more, head over to Travel Marketing and Media dot com slash podcast to get notified about new episodes and also listen to any that you may have missed. And if you'd like to ask a question about this episode, you can send it there for me to answer on a live Q&A. We'll see you in the next episode.